0: Acts 27 this morning. Um, The Bible uh, in a lot of ways is a lot of things. And this morning, chapter 27 uh, is the most valuable document that we have today concerning ancient seamanship. You guys might be like, what are you talking? Oh, wait until we get into this chapter. It's all about a boat ride. On a big C. So this is also a very striking illustration of a blend of uh, the natural for us set before us here in Acts 27. And we're going to see the supernatural at the same time. So we have divine providence and human struggle. And that really is the characteristic of life. We see that all the time. So here was a great crisis. And there was a great man to take full advantage of it really to the glory of God and to the furtherance of the gospel. I just posted uh, in our Facebook group and on our Facebook page and on my page a study that I did from the men's retreat. Uh, It's on My Hero Okay, which is the Apostle Paul. Okay, But you guys can take some time and listen to that message because it really ties into where we are this morning. It's just one of these things. Once again, we have this brother going through it <laughs> and through all the suffering, all the hardships of just wanting to serve the Lord and make him known, we see God show up in a powerful way and we see Paul continue to be faithful And use whatever circumstance, even a hard circumstance, for the glory of God. So, uh, any of you guys ever desire to go to Italy? Right? Yeah, I got to go to Rome twice, okay? If you've never been to Rome, yeah, that's me. I had a little bit more hair. Um, But Rome is beautiful. There is so much. Any of you guys ever been to Rome? Because we know God spoke to paul this is where you're going don't be tripping you're in jerusalem you're locked up it's not the end i have more for you and it's going to happen in rome so he held to that promise we're going to get there even as we get into chapter 27 it looks like he's going to die once again no he knows where his destination is god has spoken it it's gonna happen uh i'd love to take you guys to rome someday it's beautiful i've been there a couple times um i got to see jesus there and the 12 apostles they were hanging out on a roof but there's just the coolest things all over and this is really cool guys okay this is Sonny and i this is before we were married this is actually the first picture of her and i together ever and it was in rome She was liking some other dude at the time. But hey, we were homies because we're all the way over in Europe. Hey, let's get a picture together. I was liking her, of course. But anyways, that was at the Trevi Fountain, which is beautiful. And then this is the one that got me. Okay, You guys know history. And we know that Jesus prophesied about the temple that was standing during his first coming, which there will be another temple standing when he returns again. And they're ready to build it. All they need is the okay, and it will be built in no time. So the Lord can come back soon. But when he first came, he prophesied that the temple that was standing during that time would be destroyed. And we know from history that there was Titus, okay? He was a Roman, and he led uh, the armies into Jerusalem, and he actually destroyed the temple, Okay, and took the people there into captivity. And I don't have a picture of the whole arch, but there's a huge arch. And when I was there in Rome, I went and I took this picture. I don't know if you guys can tell here, but that's the Jewish menorah that has been carved in to this huge arch there in Rome. And it's a picture of these soldiers who are leading these Jewish people captive. And I just lost it. I was like, whoa! Whoa! You know, I read about this, but I'm seeing this, something that was carved, you know, almost a couple thousand years ago, testifying to this is truth. Not just that this happened to the Jewish people, but what Jesus said was going to happen, happened. It's right there. I can't wait to go to Israel with you guys. I hope you guys can come with. We're going to go in 2020. But to get to the Bible lands and to walk where Paul walked. Okay? Okay to go to the places in here where Jesus ministered, where they buried him, where he was crucified. That's going to be so cool. So start saving your pennies, guys. (laughs) Okay. So, if you ever desire to go to Italy, um, get there if you can. But this morning we kind of get to, because we get to jump on board with the Apostle Paul. So the last two chapters uh, of Acts here are really an extensive travel of... Uh, a narrative that's laid out, a lot of narrative, which includes the route that is followed, landmarks that are passed, heavy use of technical seafaring terminology and ancient sailing techniques. But most importantly, there's this great practical wisdom that is laid out for us during life's crisis. Okay? We go through a lot of crises in this life. It's just part of life. And there is so much that God has for us this morning. So let's look at verse one and on. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering the ship at Andorandium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia, Articius, A Macedonian of Thessalonica was with us. And the next day, we landed at Sidon. And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty, freedom, to go to his friends and to receive care. And when we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds, they were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is in Silica of Pamphylia, we came to Myra, the city of Lycia. There a centurion found Alexandrian ships sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. Are you guys catching the we's and the us here? Okay, this is Luke writing. Luke was chilling with Paul right now. He's the one who wrote Acts. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, okay? And then verse 7, And we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty of uh, Sindas, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete, of Salmon, passing it with difficulty. And we came to the place called Fair Havens, near the city, Elysia. So if we jump back to verse 2, we're introduced to this Julius, okay? Uh, It was really his aim to sail a smaller uh, coastal ship Okay, or vessel, unto, uh, until he could arrange some booking uh, on a trans grain ship, which was called the Alexandrian, which regularly uh, carried wheat to Rome from uh, Egypt. Uh, so it was called the breadbasket of the Roman Empire. Now, the God of the seas. Look at verse 9. Now, when much time "...had been spent, and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul." And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also. And if by any means they could reach Phoenix, uh, a harbor of Crete, opening towards the southwest and northwest and winter there. So we're told in verse 9 that due to the dangerous weather conditions, no sailing occurred on the Mediterranean Sea from November 11th to early March. Okay. We read of the fast here. That would be referring to the Day of Atonement. So that's late December or early October, depending on where it falls. But Paul's voyage, it was near this dangerous period. And he had years of experience traveling this way, right? He was a missionary. He had sailed before. Okay? He knew a few things, so he spoke to them. Now, we see in verses 13 and on, we see the God of hope in a hopeless situation. Things here are getting bad for Paul and the other men upon the ship. So let's take a read of this account. It says in verse 13, when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a temptuous... Headwind arose, Euroclidon. And so, when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Claudia, uh, we secured the skiff with difficulty. And when they had taken it on board, they used cables and undergirded the ship. And fearing lest uh, they should run. A ground on the Sistra Sands, they stuck, or they struck sail, and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest tossed, the next day they lightened the ship, and on the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after a long uh, abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me, I told you so, and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you uh, to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God is, that it will be just as it was told to me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings, and they found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest uh, we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and they prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow. Paul said to the centurion, And the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And the soldiers, they cut the ropes of the skiff and they let it fall off. And as the day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, today, this is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment for this is for your survival since not a hair will fall from your head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And we had broken it and and he began to eat it. Then they were all encouraged and they also took for themselves. And in all we were, 276 persons upon the ship. It was a big ship, guys. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. Wow! That would have been fun. So we see in verse 14, this was kind of intriguing to me, this uh, Euroclyde and literally the Euroquilo, the euros east wind, quillo, north wind. So it's a northeasterner, okay? And then we're told a little bit later in verse 17 that these guys, they end up taking the cables there uh, to ungird them. So these ancient ships, they have a part uh, of their ordinary gear, these undergirders, which were simple ropes that were passed uh, around the hull Uh, of the ship. This practice helped prevent leaking from uh, boards um, bursting apart. And then the sister sands, uh, these were dangerous quicksands that often that these people upon ships, they they feared that they would uh, end up hitting on the north side of Africa, so sailors would try to avoid it altogether, at least their ships get swallowed into it uh, the lower uh, they lowered all the sails except what was needed uh, to keep the headwind, okay so they just hey we got to keep going uh, we don't know where we're at because we haven't been able to tell for days uh, by on voyage huh <laughs> uh, look at verse twenty here it says All that we would or we would be saved was finally given up. So think about everything they were going through. No GPS. Okay, I actually took a map out of my car yesterday. You guys ever have one of those big atlases of the whole United States? Well, it's just sat there for years and I never use it. I'm just like, I'll put it on the shelf in the garage. You know why? Because we're blessed, aren't we? We have a GPS. Hey Siri, take me to Piggly Wiggly. no, dude. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> so these guys, they had no GPS. They had no in there. They had no compass. You guys know that it was, a compass wasn't even invented until like the 1100s by the Chinese people. So they're, they're stuck. All they had to depend on were their observations of the heavens, but they couldn't even see that. Okay, it was overcast. We can't even see where we are. Did we get turned around? Are we going in the wrong direction? Where are we? But sun and stars have been hidden for days, okay? So the last and most precious cargo they heave overboard, okay? And their passengers and their you know, crew's <laughs> hope is gone, okay? We have nothing left. We're going down and they drift into despair. So with all hope gone, how do you remain confident in crisis? Crisis. How many of you guys have gone through one of those? Great. Me too. The Greek word, "crisis," decision, decisive moment. So two definitions there for you and I. First one would be dangerous or a worrying time. So that would speak into a situation or a period in which things become very uncertain, difficult, painful, especially at a time when action must be taken to avoid a disaster or a breakdown. And then secondly, it would be a critical moment. So that would be a time when something very important for the future happens or is decided but I also want you guys to understand that crisis can be good it can be a good thing for you and I it happens or it really helps people change that's what crisis does it helps us grow up sometimes Um, and God knows things need to change in our lives you know unless you have it all together he knows I need a lot of help so there's been a lot of change in my life Things are always changing. See, God knows that, and he lovingly provides times of crisis for us. So they can come in countless forms. Disaster, catastrophe, emergency, calamity, predicaments, maybe a job loss or a spouse loss, a child loss. The list can go on and on, but God can use those things. Isaac Newton said in his first law of motion Everything continues in a state of rest unless it is compelled to change by forces impressed upon it. So no one is willing to do real change until real crisis comes. Some people will change when they see the light. Okay, Others change when they feel the heat so looking back here at verse 21 we have paul with his i told you so okay i love paul um anyways it was followed though by what a word of encouragement okay you guys should have listened you know i'm not gonna preach at you anymore (laughs) you know about it okay and there are times guys like this when people need promises they don't need preaching they need promises. And that's what Paul gives to them. And then in verse 23, and I want you guys to pay close attention right now. Okay, I love what we can pull out of this. Verse 23, it says, The God to whom I belong. Okay? So possessed by God. And then he says, Whom I serve. Okay? Prepared by God. And then in verse 22 he says that there's going to be no loss of life, so they are protected by God. I love these promises that are right here. God had spoken. He promised these things. We need to know them and hold to them. And this should have been an encouragement for these guys. And then in verse 24, his prayer was heard. You see, as the needle of a compass is constantly you know, in a pole north, So our hearts and our eyes constantly are feeling the pull heavenward, okay? As believers, that's what the Spirit's always doing, isn't it? Hey, look up. (laughs) Set your mind on those things above, eternal things, okay? And that's I'm thankful for that because it's easy to get off course, isn't it? And it doesn't take long to get really off course. <laughs> Just if you start a little bit, you find yourself way off real quick. But the Holy Spirit, isn't he so good, so patient, lovingly brings us back to where we need to be. Niagara Falls. I love that. How many of you guys have been to Niagara Falls? What? Only like one dude went to Rome and all you guys went to Niagara Falls? Okay. Well, I think when we go over to Israel and maybe we'll do a side trip to Rome, we should fly out of Ontario and check out Niagara Falls first. <laughs> Anyways, what I love about Niagara Falls, I love the huge rock formation. That's just always blown my mind. It's beautiful. That's why it makes the falls so cool. If those rocks weren't there, we wouldn't have these awesome waterfalls, you know, to appreciate okay and it's huge for you guys who have been there isn't it unreal yeah it's kind of like a grand canyon thing right you don't like pictures don't do it justice you got to be there to appreciate to see it right i love these large rocks okay that just get pummeled by non-stop rushing water and yet they're so sturdy over time okay nothing changes they're rock they're solid okay they're still the same you know, today as it was when Jim and Pam got married there. Um, <laughs> love you guys. <laughs> so despite whatever, the wind, the waves, the massive waterfalls, the mist, the storms that try to destroy it, it's really all in vain. It's so cool. You're going to be able to take your kids th- your kids there, your grandkids there if the Lord tarries. Nothing's going to change. In such an immovable rock was the Apostle Paul. He really was. He's a he's a phenomenal example for us as believers. Man, so many like I don't know if I would be able to do what he did to continue to stand strong. I mean, he is he's an encouragement, a phenomenal example. He was really a lighthouse, a means of stability, of safety, and a blessing to all the despairing despairing souls. So don't be discouraged. Why? Because God is with them. Nothing is more terrifying than facing danger alone. Nothing's worse than that. You see, the storm will end, right? No, but he'll see you to the end. That's what he's telling these guys. It ain't gonna let up, okay? Ship's gonna be destroyed, but God's gonna see us through. Not a one of us is going to die. Okay? He'll see us through to the end. So I believe God okay, is really a mini-apostle creed. You guys should underline that in your Bible. I believe God. Okay? <laughs> I believe in God, the Father uh, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Okay? Um, I believe God that it will be just as it was told to me. He's believing God. And then we have verses 27 to 31 here. The sailors, they sensed that they were nearing land. So they sent out these soundings to prove them right. And sure enough, (laughs) so they were drifting toward an unknown island to slow down the drift. What do they do? They put out anchors from the stern. And what are the anchors used for? Kind of like brakes, right? Throw them out. This is our braking system. Aren't you guys glad that we don't have to do that, driving around in our cars? Oh, come and do a stop. <laughs> throw a big anchor out, right? So they're praying and wishing for the day to come. Um, we've all had those nights. We've all gone through some, you know, horrible, long, well, when is daybreak going to come? I just can't sleep. What's going on? So that's what these guys are going through now i want to lay out four anchors to drop in any storm okay and they're right from this passage i want us to catch four of them they threw out four and i'm going to give us four here this morning first one would be the anchor of god's presence it tells us in the first part of verse 23 take a look for there stood by me this night an angel of god to whom i belong and whom i serve okay So the reality, that should be one of our anchors in life. God is with me. He is present. He is right here. He will never leave you and forsake you, brother and sister. He's promised that. Let that be one of your anchors. The second one is the anchor of God's peace. Look at the first part of verse 24. Do not be afraid, Paul. Don't you love that? Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I love Revelation chapter one. Okay? It just lays out just the most gnarly picture of Jesus. You know, crazy white hair, double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, flaming eyes, you know, crazy boots, you know, just this awesome picture of who he is. And what does John do? He starts tripping, right? Totally afraid, drops down, is dead. And what does Jesus say to him? Don't be afraid. You guys know that our Lord gives us a peace, not a peace like this world, a peace that surpasses understanding. You need to hear him speak to you. When you're tripping, you need to hear God speaking to you. Don't be afraid. I am with you, and I'm giving you my peace. Here's my peace. So that should be one of our anchors. We have his presence as an anchor. Another anchor is we have his peace, and that is a precious gift. And the third anchor is, hey, It's God's plan. It's not my plan, because my plan, man, it would have been jumping like on the Concord, and we would have just been had like first, you know, class seating, you know, having a little waitress bring us a soda pop on our little flight. No time for a meal because Concord's super fast, and we would have been there like that, you know. Don't we have our plans? That's how we want it done. (laughs) But we need to have an anchor, knowing that God has a plan, and being okay with His plan. Look at the second part of verse 24. You must be brought before Caesar. That's my plan for you, Paul. You're going to go before Caesar. You're not going to die in the storm. You're going through this crazy crisis, this crazy storm. It's not the end. I'm going to see you through, and I have a plan. I have a purpose here. So that needs to be our third anchor. And then our fourth anchor is an anchor of God's protection. Look at the last part of this verse. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So God had promised his protection. This is wonderful. So, there's a purpose why we had to pause and look at these four anchors. It's right here in the scripture, guys. Hold to these four things. I hope you wrote them down. Um, I hope they're on the screen. They are. Um, Whoa, this is a huge question. Let's go back to verse 30 here. Um. really the question for you and I in light of this verse is do you want to jump ship? Do you want to jump ship? Christianity. I don't like this. I've been doing this my whole life because mom and dad brought me to church. It's all I've ever known. It just doesn't seem to be working for me because I'm not getting my way. <laughs> do you guys know that people do that? I'm done. You know? Lord, I know you're asking me to do this. You're asking me to love, serve, bless, even love those enemies of mine. I don't like that. I'm a fighter. <laughs> I want to get them. And I guess if I'm going to do that, I've got to walk away from your ways and start doing my way. You see, like when Jesus asked the disciples, do you also want to go away? Do you want to jump ship? And then verse 31, there's shipwrecked people. Okay. They had all they needed in order to be saved if they would what? Believe and obey. They would be saved if what? They would believe and obey. You will be saved if you believe and obey. Oh, I didn't think it was works, Pastor. Isn't obeying a work thing? No. If you love me, and that comes by the believing part, right? He first loved us. <laughs> That's why we love him. Okay? This is loving kindness that leads us to repentance. What? Return that love, turning back to Him. And if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will obey. Okay? My kids, they're not perfect kids. They don't always listen. But when they do listen, most of the time it's not because I scare them into doing it. You have to do it or you're finished. You know? No. They love me. I love you, Dad. I'll do that for you. You know? Can't get them to rub my feet, but besides that, they do a lot of other things. You know, <laughs> but isn't that what we want to do for our heavenly Father? I love you, Dad. You know, I want to obey you. You know, and I don't have to worry either about what you're asking me, because I know you're good. I know you're a good, faithful Dad. So, uh, verse uh, thirty-two. Um, some of the ship's crew here. Uh, they tried to get into this lifeboat but they eventually cut the rope to the small ding- uh, dinghy there uh, where they literally found themselves all in the same boat. I think that's cool. There's no escape. <laughs> we, we, we cut off any possibility of that, that we're all in the same boat. And that's where we need to be, guys. Because there are things that we are still tied to in this world. Okay? I, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. Lord, I'm getting, I'm getting in your boat. Okay, I'm gonna sail along. But if things get too hard, (laughs) you know, I I I can jump board, jump ship here, I can I can get in this other I got my escape all planned out. What is God asking you to do? Just cut it off. Cut it off. God wants absolute surrender, guys. That's what he wants. I'm all in. (laughs) No more questions asked. No more decisions to be made. I've already purposed in my heart. My life is yours. You're my king. My allegiance is to you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you to the day I die. I'm all in. Do you even then have to think about leaving? No, you've already purposed in your heart. you already made that decision. When things come up, you don't even have to think about it. You don't have to weigh out the pros and the cons. No, (laughs) I've already made my decision. I'm in your family. It's good. So, verse 33 to 36 he tells the guys there to take nourishment. So Paul was very practical um, as well as uh, perceptive. Okay, Here's a multi-meal for you. <laughs> Eat up. Paul also started this voyage as a prisoner and then a passenger. Now he's the captain of the ship. Do you guys see what's going down? This is pretty, if you guys have been tracking with us through the book of Acts, I think chapter 27 is pretty darn cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's now going, not as a slave, you know. He's still going to go see Caesar, but now he, he's calling the shots, you know. God is blessed. So they were all encouraged. Why? Circumstance change? No. What changed, guys? Their attitudes. That's what changed. And how huge are attitudes in our lives? okay. There are many that are not here today in fellowship with us just because of a bad attitude. That's all it is. They'll blame it on a circumstance. No, they chose a bad attitude. Period. And how many of us have hardened ourselves to God's ways, His plans, because of a bad attitude. Well, That's not going to get me what I want, God. <laughs> you know. So... Let's wrap this up. Verse 39. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach, unto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors, and they left them in the sea. Meanwhile, losing the rudder's ropes, they hoisted the main sail to the wind, and they made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest uh, any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. So land oh <laughs> right? uh, Preparations in verse 39 of beaching the ship. They were made, and their plans were dashed, right? When they ran aground at her bow, leaving the stern exposed to these battering waves. And then verse 42, of course they would kill the prisoners, right? They were responsible for them. If they escape, it's my head. <laughs> and then verse 43, the centurion wanted to save Paul and Paul wanting to save Julius. So what if God wanting to save someone close to you needed to run you aground first? You okay with that? Means their salvation for eternity to be with their maker, to hang out with me (laughs) for all time. (laughs) Yeah. Of course. So Paul was shipwrecked, but still in ship shape, not destroyed. I love that. Let me say that again. Paul was shipwrecked, but still in ship shape, not destroyed. In verse 44, they all escaped safely to land. Now, the Bible teaches us that there's three kinds of storms in our lives. And I want to wrap up thinking on this, uh, these truths. Three types of storms. So if you're taking notes, write these down. The first one uh, would be storms that we have caused. We'll call those Jonah storms. Jonah storms. Storms that we have have caused the second storms that come our way in life would be storms that god has caused we'll call those jesus's storm on the lake of galilee okay that would be a jesus storm and then the third one that we would see are storms that others have caused us we'll call that julius persuaded by the helmsman and ship's owner so we have a Jonah storm. What do you do with a Jonah storm? Repent. <laughs> okay. You repent. When you have a God storm, you need to persist. okay. This is of a God. I'm going through it. It's hard. okay, But it's his thing. I'm just going to persevere here. I'm going to continue to trust and obey in the midst of the storm. And then the other storms. Okay. What do we do in those storms? Can't believe so and so did this. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay, there's things that shake out in life. Sin does sick, it stink. It does affect us all. Satan does come and mess with us. What do we do in those type of storms in life? Pray. That's when you pray. Okay. So repent, persist, pray. But why do storms come into our lives, pastor? I'm so glad you guys asked. Sometimes it's just satanic opposition. Okay, We do have an enemy. He hates you, child of God. That's never going to change. Also, sometimes storms come because God wants to deepen our maturity. He just wants us to grow up. And if any of you guys have been in the Lord for any length of time, you can say yes and amen. I know that's true. Preach it, brother! come in all joy! <laughs> but it, we should, because it really does grow us up. It builds character. Okay? We become more like Jesus. We become more of a useful vessel for His glory. Also, storms might come sometimes, and we just really have no clue why. It's just part of life. We live in a fallen world. You guys know that? Okay? We live in a fallen world. Things just happen they just happen. Can't help it. There's some godly, God-fearing, all-surrendered, Jesus-loving people who've lived down south this year who got hit by hurricanes. The just and the unjust, guys. That's just part of life sometimes. Also, I want you guys to grab a hold of this truth. The Bible's focus isn't on who causes pain. It never is. Or why it's allowed, but on how our responses should be to it. Study the word, guys. That's what God cares about. I see so many Christians tripping, pointing fingers, blaming others, why me, pity party. What God wants is what your attitude going to be. Are you going to choose to abide? to surrender, to humble yourself. Say, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you wanting me to do in this? So if your ship has blown off course, what will you do now? That's the important question. I think that is the one big question this morning. If you are off course right now, what are you going to do about it? Can the Lord depend on you to sail by faith when you face the storms? Can others depend on you? You see, debris from every kind of shipwreck is floating all around us. Okay? We see it even in the church, guys. Broken marriages, ruined relationships, shattered dreams, mingled morals, twisted guilt, damaged hearts. All around us. And the need is great for courageous Christians like Paul who will stand faithfully in life's uncertainties and proclaim the spiritual anchors that can hold people fast to Christ. So if you would stand with me, we will pray. We thank you for the wisdom that has been shared with us this morning through your word, Father. Lord, you've asked us to give thanks in all things. Lord, we thank you for lives past storms and even the present crises, knowing that you are at work. You allow. You have plans. There's so much unseen that's going down. And all you're asking us to do is to continue to look to you, to believe, to hold fast, to stand firm in our faith. God, I pray that you'd help us by your grace to choose the right attitude in that. I do pray, Father, for those who are going through just a hard one right now. I'd be close to them. Pray they'd be encouraged today from your word and continue to cling to you. Oh, what a hope we have in you, Jesus. And for us, Lord, seeing brothers and sisters or others going through it, Father, help us to speak truths and promises into their lives. Show us how we can love and serve them. Lord, point them to you. And help us be mindful of that too in this life no matter what we're going through, that we would be considered by you to be those who continue to just stand faithful. That others may lean upon us, Father, that we may point them to you, Jesus. We thank you so much, Father, for all that you've done. Thank you for these brothers and sisters here this morning. I would ask that you would bless them just good. (laughs) You're a good God. Father, you have good things for us, God. Help us to receive well, even the hard things in life, Father. Help us to receive with joy, knowing that there is a purpose and a plan behind it for your glory. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to close with our benediction out of Hebrews 13. It tells us this, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ, from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete for every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen.